0: Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to MPR News. So glad you could join us today. Sometimes being black in Minnesota can be a lonely experience. Only 7% of Minnesota residents are black. That is according to the 2020 census. But African Americans have deep roots in the state. And there's a lot of Black history and Black culture to celebrate here. A podcast from NPR News called Untangled Roots lifts up some of that history and culture and broadens the idea of what it means to be a Minnesotan. The first season shares some frank conversations and stories from communities of color across Minnesota with a focus on Black experiences. So this hour, I want to tell you more about this podcast as I talk with a couple of people behind it. And I want to hear from you too our phone lines are open. Are you a person of color who has chosen to live in Minnesota? Tell us what you appreciate about your community. Maybe you were born here or maybe something drew you here as an adult. What do you wish were different about living in Minnesota, and what do you think would make living here more welcoming for people of color? The phone lines are open. You can call us at 651-227-6000. Again, the number is 651-227-6000, or you can call 800 242-2828. 242-2828. You can also leave me a message on Twitter. I'm at Angela Davis MPR. Let's talk to our two guests, my colleagues. We have Brant Williams here in the studio with me. Brant is, of course, the editor of the Race, Class, and Communities team here at NPR News. And before that, you probably recognize his name and voice. He was a longtime reporter uh, for NPR based in Minneapolis. And uh, he's the co-host of the Untangled Roots podcast. Hi, Brant. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Made it in to work in that freezing rain. Yeah, good. That in itself was in some- a Accomplishment. All right. After battle. <laughs> also in the studio with me is Twyla Dang, producer of the Untangled Roots podcast. Hello. Welcome back into the studio, Twyla. Hi, thank you for having Hi. me. You too made it in. Yes. So we're winning already this morning. Indeed. <laughs> so, Brand, um, how did this podcast come about?
1: So, this was pretty much the idea uh, that came from Sarah Glover, who is our former managing editor. And so she had this idea to provide, like, um, a a platform for particularly, but not exclusively, um, African Americans um, in Minnesota. Uh, And it was also her idea to have uh, two um, Black men as co-hosts to just kind of talk and provide um, conversations that were based with a journalistic background. You know, we're we're looking at issues from a, a, uh, from the lens of of folks who are looking for data and and, and facts and that sort of thing, but also um, from people who've had experiences and like, and have genuine curiosities about what's happening here. And, um, and so it's, it's not necessarily a one of those chat driven type of podcasts. That was not the idea was to have us come on and talk about sports and that kind of stuff was like, you know, but have a, a back and forth that, that actually meant something that to a topic that we were discussing. So tell me about your co-host.
0: You mentioned uh, two black men are co-hosting the podcast. You and? Yeah, Jonathan Rabb. And tell our listeners who Jonathan is.
1: So Jonathan is, um, he's many things. He's an <laughs> entrepreneur. He's also uh, born and raised in Minnesota, uh, went away for a little while. Um, Jonathan is the creator of a uh, very widely, um, uh, I guess. Viewed, listened to... Yeah, viewed, what, listened to? to... Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's website. website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch the Yard. It's and, called
0: Watch the Yard. Uh, yeah. Black Greekdom's digital yard show. I, I yes. have spent time on this website. I didn't realize that he grew up here.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And And I was not... When I was in college, I was not a part of the Greek system. So I didn't... You know, I had not the same types of contacts as Jonathan. But Jonathan brings like this whole world to this podcast, which I think has just been... Absolutely necessary. I think he's he's a younger guy than me, and so he's got (laughs) we got a generational difference there. And I think it's it it works really well.
0: And so Twyla, you're uh, the
2: producer on Untangled Roots. I mean, how do you see this offering up something new? I think the thing that I loved most about the idea on it when I was fortunate enough to get sort of brought into it is it was giving us an opportunity to tell stories about the BIPOC experience, particularly the Black experience in Minnesota, because I think sometimes um, we take for granted the idea that we're a part of this, we're a part of the fabric of the state, but we don't ever talk about ourselves outside of the context of pain and trauma. And so it sometimes makes it hard to feel connected. It sometimes makes it feel hard to be seen. Mm -hmm. And this was this, I couldn't pass up the chance to do storytelling that was not just based in our history, our past, where we came from, what we struggle with, but also what we enjoy, what brings us joy, what makes us proud to be Black people and people of color who live here.
0: Mm. And uh, you devote the first five episodes to talking about what the Rondo neighborhood in St. Paul meant and still means uh, for, for many people, uh, particularly Black Minnesotans. Um, and, you know, the, the Rondo neighborhood, I mean, there, there's been a lot of news coverage about it, but right. uh, nearly an entirely African-American community before uh, it was basically destroyed in order to build Interstate 94 in the 50s and 60s, I believe.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And uh, Angela, we were, we really wanted to jump right, right in on this story because I think most people are very familiar with the, you know, the, the freeway going through the community and that sort of thing. And yeah, we
0: know the story. So I'm curious, why focus on this?
1: Right. And so we wanted to go a little deeper than that. And Jonathan and I were talking about this, and that's kind of how these a lot of these topics came about. It was like through our conversations with each other. And both of us had this curiosity, a, a curiosity about Rondo as like this um, kind of Minnesota version of the Harlem Renaissance. I mean, you think of all the people who came out of that neighborhood, that area of Minnesota in this time period. You think of like Gordon Parks and um, Dave Winfield, Steve Winfield. Um, we've had all these uh, – uh, Artists and community leaders come through there. You think of the August Wilson um, plays that were based on, Mm -hmm. you know, he spent time here as well. So it's just like we thought, hey, how about we look at not only these people, but also some of the everyday people? And we looked through, um, uh, we got uh, tape from interviews from people who are residents. We looked at census figures. I looked through the census data that showed what people living on certain blocks in the Rondo neighborhood did for a living um <clears throat> excuse me what their households were like and it was like this it was a great way i think just to to show that there was a lot more going on in rondo than just there's a this neighborhood with mostly black people that got torn up by a, a freeway going through. There was a lot more there.
0: Well, let's get, get into that because we can play and we will play some, some uh, excerpts of the podcast uh, on the show this morning. Uh, as you mentioned, you, you dug through the archives, found some old interviews and recordings to help tell the Rondo story, and it may be a way people have not heard before. Uh, and I want to listen to, right now, uh, an interview that you did uh, a while ago, some of your interview with Melvin Carter Sr.,
1: Tell me your name and when and where you were born.
3: Melvin Carter Sr. I was born here in Minnesota, St. Paul, September the 8th, 1923.
1: If you didn't recognize that first voice, that was me. I interviewed Melvin Carter Sr., the mayor's grandfather, back in 2001. And during that conversation, he shared his memories about what it was like growing up in Rondo. Then the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956 came along and that led to the construction of Interstate 94. That's the highway that tore through Rondo, splitting it in half. And Melvin Sr. also shared his feelings about why he thought the authorities chose that route for the highway.
3: Because that was the cheapest property to take. And it's just like in every other city in the country, you know, they come where the property's cheapest. And, and you'd almost think they, someone did this intentionally because it just about destroyed us as a people, you know, and... Uh, for what, what, what little we had going for us before that it was certainly dislodged. So what, what can you say about progress? You know, I guess they needed the roads to build the, uh, for the cars and the, the nation was uh, spreading out and people moving out to the suburbs. They need these highways, so they got to go somewhere. That's to justify that situation. But on the other hand, I often thought that someone could have foreseen what it would do to the people who lived in these uh, low priority neighborhoods, you know. In the long run, it's really made a wreck out of a, out of a community that was in pretty good shape.
0: Well, Rand, uh, a conversation you had uh, back in 2001, more than 20 years ago. Right. Uh, yes, you sound very young, but <laughs> it, was, it was lovely yes. to hear Mr. Carter's voice and yours. And, yeah. and you know, what, did, what really stuck with you about all that he remembered uh, about growing up in Rondeau?
1: Well, that conversation was really was like one of those little nice gems to find uh, digging through a box of dat tapes that I had actually from previous interviews and coming across this was great because he was able to just talk about his daily experience of what it was like, what he saw every day in Rondo. Like he could talk about the kids playing in the street, um, horse-drawn carriages going by, carrying goods to the grocery stores, where they shopped, Um, you know, the, the, uh, clubs where black folks would just gather social clubs and social organizations um, that would have parties. And um, he was a musician and he talked about, you know, where he'd go play. And so he had this great um, memory and recall about what it was like Growing up and just being able to to give uh, descriptions and experience that you're just not going to get unless you talk to somebody who is actually there. And Twilight,
0: as a podcast producer, I mean, I sit here smiling. I love uh, when we get a chance to hear from elders just, you know, in person. But, you know, hearing people share stories, uh, uh, that human connection is, I think, that's just really powerful. It's different than reading about it.
2: Absolutely. And it was, I mean, it was even, I always say this whole thing was touched by a little bit of, like, fate because even as we, every time we would get into it, something sort of magical would happen in the process, like us coming together really quickly to put it together. And then we said we wanted to focus on Rondo and maybe tell the story at the annex of Mayor Carter and his family. And Brant just rolls in the next day and goes, Yeah, I was at home this weekend and I found these tapes. And I think I have an interview <laughs> with Mar- with Melvin Sr., it's really old. I mean, we had to literally get it transferred to digital to be able to use it. Mm-hmm. But it just felt like we kept getting touched by it. Um, it just felt like the story didn't just want to be told. At one Wanted to be told a certain way, and mm. we were as much led as we were dictating it. But that is what it's like to work with Brant, right? He just kind of rolls in the room. <laughs> he's like magical things. <laughs> Listen, he's I've unflappable. He's the coolest dude <laughs> I, in the whole. Like witness this. Nothing. Fl- nothing flakes. All right,
0: uh, we're going to continue. But uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking about uh, a podcast from NPR News that I want to make sure people know about. Uh, it's called Untangled Roots, and it really looks into the the stories, the history of uh, of Black Minnesotans and other communities of color in our state. Uh, And it's it's storytelling in a a beautiful way. I'm talking with uh, one of the co-hosts, Brant Williams, who's an editor here at NPR News, and Twyla Dang, a producer here at NPR News, uh, who worked on this project together. Uh, And the phone lines are open, and my question is, are you a person of color who has chosen to live in Minnesota? Uh, Tell us about your experience, and what do you appreciate about your community? Perhaps you were born here, uh, raised here, You're you're all in, or maybe you came here for a job, you moved here as an adult, as I did. What do you wish were different about living here? What do you think would make living here more welcoming for people of color? You can call us at 651-227-6000. Again, the number is 651-227-6000. Or call 800-242-2828. Tweet me at Angela Davis, MPR. So as we play some excerpts from the podcast, uh, I want to bring in some of our listeners who are calling in already, uh, Brant and Twyla. So let's take a phone call in New Brighton, where Patrick is on the phone. Good morning, Patrick. How are you?
4: I'm doing pretty good. Good morning. How are you two?
0: Uh, we're well. So what did you want to share with us about living in Minnesota?
4: Um, I just want to say first, thank uh, thank you for everything you do for um, the school of Minnesota. NPR News is one of my, even is the best for me. I listen to it every time. I just moved to Minnesota a couple of months ago and I uh, I was in Sioux
0: Okay. Um,
4: I was in school in Sioux did my master's in counseling, mm-hmm. and I graduated. I decided to move here for job opportunities, and also I want to do my, master, my PhD at the University of Minnesota. So All right. I, well,
0: Patrick, welcome. Welcome to Minnesota.
4: <laughs> yeah, thank you.
0: Glad you're here. So you came here for a job opportunity. Are you originally from another country?
4: Yeah, originally I come from uh, Liberia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liberia is one of the countries in West Africa. It mm-hmm. was actually funded by the United States of America.
0: Oh, yes. we do, And we have a large Liberian community here in the Twin Cities. And and oh, so, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you excited about uh, now being a Minnesotan, Patrick? Or what are your thoughts about this conversation?
4: I am. I am. If I lot of opportunities, jobs. Um, and I always say, why was I wasting
0: my time in school well, I, was, I, couldn't, I couldn't say that, Patrick, but you said Great. it, so we're glad you're here, and uh, hopefully you'll check out this podcast uh, as well, Untangled Roots. Let's take another phone call uh, from Minneapolis. Uh, this is, is it Tammy? Am I
5: saying that correctly? Yes,
0: this is Tammy. Hey, Tammy, good morning, and what do you want to share with us about uh, living here in Minnesota?
5: Good morning. Thank you so much. I'm born and raised in Minneapolis. Um, I've lived in other cities. Throughout uh, Turtle Island, and so I've gained other perspectives and insights from other communities. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I, and thank you very much for your podcast, because I love that it includes the word roots. And I do believe that we have to look at roots of Mm -hmm. issues. And when we talk about Minnesota Nice, you know, I think that, you know, that it needs to be flipped around and really investigated because, you know, people are uh, in a lot of fear right now, uh, of course, you know, the things that have happened throughout the world. But, you know, I think fear is number one that we have got to tackle and not knowing one another, or not knowing who we are, like that gentleman who just called right there. Thank you very much um, uh, Tammy, for letting us know. I don't mean to
0: interrupt you. Are you a person of color?
5: Oh, my apologies. I am an Ojibwe woman ah, who is okay. also half Irish. All right. I have three Puerto Rican children. Most of my friends are African-American. I have East African friends, West African, you know, all, you know, all souls. Right. And so bottom line, I think that we have to remember that we are a soul. And, you know, if we could look at Roots of Issues, um, going back to the Doctrine of Discovery... We might understand where we're at right now. And that's not to point fingers at people. It's to understand and to have conversations. And until mm-hmm. the Euro-American communities and the peoples, I am also Irish, as I said. Until mm-hmm. we're able to really you know, have conversations about what has happened, we I don't see us going forward anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, we put Band-Aids over things, but these Band-Aids will not work. We have to look at the pain and try and heal one another and get rid of the lateral violence and treat each other well. Because I do believe that the way that we treat each other as human beings has a direct effect on the environment and how the, you know, the effects that happens to Mother Earth.
0: Mm-hmm. Tammy, uh, t- Tammy sounds like she may be checking out Untangled Roots, uh, uh, Brand uh, and Twilight. So. What do you yeah, think about uh, her story and what she sh- she's sharing of, of just the value of 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 getting to know our history and each other and addressing fear
2: of one another? I think that's really important. Um, I think part of what keeps us siloed is the idea of not reaching out to other people, not getting connected. I think Minnesotans talk a lot about not feeling connected to one another because we do tend to have insular groups, insular friend groups. Right. Um, but I think it's really important to understand that. Understanding and knowing yourself is a fundamental part of that, because when you know your information, when you know your history and your background, you become more eager to share that experience, to to share what you know, Um, even when we were talking about how we put this show together. The reason we didn't just focus on one community is because we knew that the experience was reflected across communities. I happen to live in a a household with black people and Vietnamese people. My family is biracial. So I wanted to make sure that all of our stories had room to be told. Mm.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's – and Jonathan – himself comes from um also biracial um, parents. Your co-host. Um mm-hmm. my my co-host. Yeah, um my my mother was um from the Caribbean. Um did not grow up in the United States until she was 18. Virgin Islands. Virgin Islands, that's mm-hmm. right. St. Mm-hmm. Croix. And you know so it's like I also have learned as I've been going through this process as well. It's like of of my multicultural heritage as well. I I'd identify as African American. My father's side of the family um you know African American as well, but it's it's. Um, I think Tammy brings up a really great point about. Um, yes, there are roots that connect us all, and while it's a lot of that connection is the the trauma that many um, people of color have experienced, we also share the experience of also untangling those. and And I think we, when we come together and we have these conversations, it's a great way to for us to like show that yeah, there are some commonalities here. We can untangle these things together. And I think, you know, that's one thing that we try to do with this.
0: Untangled Roots is the podcast, uh, the stories of uh, black Minnesotans and uh, other people of color, uh, storytelling the history of how they uh, came to live here in Minnesota and and what they go through. Uh, A podcast from NPR uh, going into production for its second season. want to make sure you check it out and listen to the episodes in the first season. They are great. Give us a call at 651-227-6000 or call us at 800-242-2828 as I talk with uh, a co-host of the podcast and a producer of the co- podcast, uh, Brand and Twilight. Let's take one more phone call before we listen to yet another excerpt from the podcast. In Minneapolis, we've got David on the line. Good morning, uh, David. What do you want to share with us?
6: good morning i just want to say thank you for your show i i think it's an amazing show you have great topics uh i'm new to minneapolis been here a couple years oh welcome Uh, thank you Uh, african-american but my perceptions of what minneapolis was is different than, than what it is when you get here you know you can feel the segregation in minneapolis and uh and and one one thing that i learned from your show from your interview with uh Nelson Mandela's great grandson was that Minneapolis is it has the second lowest high school graduation rate for African Americans, and uh, and that that's a very telling uh, statistic there, and, and 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 for and coming from the outside, you know, you I don't I don't feel unsafe in Minneapolis. You know, the other places mm-hmm. I've lived has been more explicit uh, biases here. It's the it's the I, I feel like there's the low expectation, especially for young people and just black people in general, that I think has a very high impact on on uh, a negative impact on on, on on how black people exist in Minneapolis. Now, clearly I'm not a sociologist, I'm not an expert, but just a person moving from the outside, you you can just feel the difference. You yeah, know, we talk about it, uh, yeah,
0: we talk a lot about racial disparities uh, on this program, and um, like, how did we get to this moment? What's the history of it, David? But you're basically saying that you can feel it, you can see the disparities.
6: Oh, absolutely, because if you've lived in other places, you know, just mm-hmm. from going to the grocery store or going to to Costco, you know, you you know the the way that you know you have to really the interaction, and and some of that is just that Minnesotans, you know, just are more of a stay put people meaning that most people that live here grew up here um and and that's not always the case in other communities and so you're looking for friends uh mm-hmm. but here it is just kind of a of a more you know a lot of generations that have have you know i, I heard the statistic that 75 percent of minnesotans live currently live 10 miles from where they were born now i don't know how true that is but it does make sense and a, a stay put so community,
0: uh, David. And you moved yeah. here from what state, David?
6: From uh, from Arizona. From
0: Arizona. All right. Well, welcome to Minnesota. And I, I hope I hope you find uh, some of these uh, black communities, which we're going to talk about, uh, like uh, a little bit about that sort of the social scenes and just the dynamics of how people meet people when they move here. But uh, anything sure. um, you guys want to say uh, to David uh, Twyla and Brandt?
1: Well, I just say that you know, um, David, talking about the disparities and in, in over my career as a journalist. We've done a lot of reporting on that. And I'll, I'll just tell you that um, for, um, for as long as I can, that I've been here and that I've been reporting, uh, I've also had an opportunity to profile um, communities that have actively been working uh, to counteract these disparities in so many ways. And, um, you know, if there's anything that uh, I, I can, that I've, I, I wouldn't say that I'm proud of, but I mean, just that well, I guess I am proud of, of this. My coverage area has been to like show how people in these communities have been actively working um, to, to counteract these disparities in, in any way they can without waiting for anybody else to to reach a hand down to save them, um, particularly with the African-American community has always been, um, you know, it's up to us to save ourselves. And there's so many people who have been doing a lot of work, unfortunately, as you know, as you've been able to detect by being here, that a lot of those efforts are, are – they're slow going. Uh, we still have a lot of those disparities, um, particularly in education, housing, health disparities, you name it. But there are – if there's anything that, that that I find that's hopeful is that folks are not giving up. They don't – people are not going to just roll over and let these things continue.
0: Tala, does the podcast, do you think some of the epi- episodes, do they leave you with a feeling of hopefulness that like, oh, but – You know, there's this this challenge, but
2: then there's this thing, too. Absolutely. I think by and large, we designed the season to be able to share, you know, that there's the ability to create connection with the work, with the voices that you hear with the ability to hear things and then go out in the world and connect with them. Uh, we, we absolutely wanted there to be a sense that there's a reason we chose this place. There's a reason we stay. And it's not just because we want to, you know, like dig in our, and make things difficult for ourselves. It's because we actually see, Possibility. Yeah. Opportunity. Um, we talked about uh, the Rondo
0: neighborhood. The first few episodes uh, focus on um, Rondo uh, and the significance of it and, and all the, the talent and community that came out of that neighborhood. And uh, you use the, the Carter family to tell some of that story. Uh, we heard a few minutes ago from uh, uh, Melvin Carter, the grandfather of our current mayor mm-hmm. of St. Paul. Uh, talking about growing up in Rando, Rondo. But let's talk now uh, or listen to another excer- excerpt from our mayor of St. Paul, Melvin Carter.
1: Your grandfather mentioned that, and uh, I spoke to him in 2001, and he mentioned for that... Part of the neighborhood, uh, the the practice there was, you know, if you're a young kid and you're out doing something you're not supposed to do, that your Somebody neighbor snatch you. would snatch you back tell right. you go back home, because That's we right. know that your parents, I know your parents, and you're That's not right. supposed to be here. That's right. Um, did you also grow up with that? Without a doubt.
7: Without a doubt. We were, um, I came up in the Rondo community with a group of just incredible young people, uh, who are many of whom back in the community who are, you know, raising their families, who went to college, who, you know, are, 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 are building community who are working for the county or working for corporate or a lawyer or something like that. And we always look and say, what's so special about our cohort of young people? And the truth is, the the real question is, what's so special about the group of parents that raised us? And they raised us together, and they raised us in community, and they raised us to know that, you know, Jabari's mom or Donnie's mom or Micah's mom or, you know, they, they tell you to do something. It's coming from me, <laughs> you know. And if you get in trouble with them, you're getting in trouble with me, too, uh, <laughs> when you get home. And so, yeah, I very much grew up, you know, as that, you know, uh, African proverb. It takes a whole community to raise a child.
0: Now, uh, over the weekend, uh, we saw Mayor Carter at a news conference. We had a weekend, uh, in St. Paul, uh, with a lot of violence, uh, shootings, uh, two homicides over the weekend. Um, and, and he talked about, uh, you know, getting getting to the root of the problem that something has happened uh, with the the structure of the family that is is contributing to the violence that we're seeing. And, and just, you know, what do you think of this sentiment? Uh, he, The last thing he said, it
2: takes a whole community to raise a child. And Twyla, I know that you're the mother of three kids. What do you make of that? I feel like... There's there's a thing that we understand that has happened here. And part of it, when we wanted to highlight the story about Rondo was that loss of the everyday attachment of community. The, You know, your, everybody on the block was your auntie. Everybody on the block was your uncle. So everybody would tell of, on you when you... Yeah, everybody had right. the ability to sort of bring you into line. Mm-hmm. We've lost some of that. Um, and I would say we're sort of at a point where we're a little bit more disconnected from that, mm-hmm. just across the board. But I think... What's really important here is for us to be um, focusing in on where we see the pockets of community stepping in to fill that void, where we see wonderful, we have wonderful community organizations that are stepping in and trying to provide mentorship. We, I personally am in the entrepreneur community here, and there are so many. You guys are tight. Yeah, there's so many beautiful (laughs) connections between people who work in you know, dramatically different fields, but we look out for each other. Um, There's organizations like Youth Lens 360 here in the city, um, who help provide mentorship and job training for young people who would normally just not have the path, don't know where their path is going. So I think, yes, we have some deep problems, and we have some deep divisions that are happening. um, But I also think we have some deep grit and we're fighting for what we want the city and the state to be.
0: And in addition to the loss of, of community, um, when when Rondo, you know, that, that neighborhood was destroyed um, and, it you know, families were looking out for one another. We also know that there was a, a loss of generational wealth uh, mm-hmm. as a result of the loss of property uh, ownership in the black community uh, that made up uh, Rondo. And, and we see the result of that today. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, And that's something that uh, Mayor Carter has, has put as a part of um, as a priority. Um, to to look into reparations for um, Rondo um, neighbors, people whose uh, families have lost the, that that wealth. He talked about, you know, that his family owned certain uh, a lot of properties in Rondo that was all taken, and they used were to. yes, right. used to yes, mm-hmm. and and as you will as you can find through the research that the uh, compensation that people were paid for their properties once they were taken were. We could just say far below market value, um, in many cases, and we're not given any place else to go, really, because at that time, again, there was a lot of um, not legal segregation, but de facto segregation, where black folks were not allowed to move. So that's the looking at the healing that wound today. It's it's not only just having uh, the apology that the former mayor um, Mayor Coleman issued some years ago to the random uh, residents. You know, for the taking of that area, but. I think Mayor Carter is now looking at the other end of that, which is, okay, you've apologized. Now, what can you do to make people whole?
0: The huge uh, economic setback in addition to the trauma. Uh, We have more people calling in, which I'm I'm so happy to hear uh, and see. Uh, We're going to hear from more of our listeners as we talk about uh, a a podcast from NPR News that debuted in 2020 called Untangled Roots, uh, the stories of of many black Minnesotans, but also uh, other people of color who either grew up here or moved here. As adults, let's uh, head to Duluth, Twyla and Brand, and talk to Jennifer, who is on the phone. Jennifer, thank you for calling in, and thank you for waiting. What did you want to share with us?
8: Hi, Angela. Thanks for Hi. taking my call. Um, I moved to Duluth about 10 years ago. Um, I am Latina, and I originally was um, living in Florida, so it was a big transition to come up here <laughs> to the north.
3: Yeah. And
8: it took me about five years to really find hmm. friends, a community. Did you say Um, five years, Jennifer? It took me about five years, it did. Wow. Um, I came for a job working at UMD, Mm -hmm. and I think there was a lot of just being too loud, being too, you know, people telling me I was too aggressive and all of these things. And, um, you know, I was recently at a party and someone asked me how long I've been here. I said, oh, I've been here long enough. To think I'm a Duluthian, but not long enough for Duluthians to
0: think I'm a Duluthian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, Okay. I need to, you know, what does it mean um, when you say that people thought you were too loud and too aggressive? Mm. What does that look like? What are you talking about?
8: Um, you know, challenging people in meetings, um, not always being agreeable about things, uh, coming up against the whole, well, this is how we've always done things, so that's how we're going to continue to do things. Um that kind of pushback when you would mm-hmm. just
0: ask questions, right? So you're um, being yourself. You're being your authentic, exactly. authentic self. Yeah. yeah. You sound like me, know. Jennifer. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> not <alone. laughs>
8: you're not alone. You're not alone. And if someone, you know, someone asked me like, well, how did you survive? You know, what what's keeping you here? And how are you, you know, managing? And I said, well, partly I assimilated, right? Mm-mm. I mean, you, you get to a point where it's like, oh, okay, I learned how to be, a little bit less. Um, that, doesn't that doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound healthy. No, I, no. Um, I recently took a new job working remotely <clears throat> for a company based in DC. And mm-hmm. it's been amazing. You know, I, I go to a Zoom meeting and 75% of the faces are people of color. And I didn't realize how much I was holding on to being the only person of color in the room. And then to be in a room of of different faces, I felt like, oh, I can relax, and I hadn't realized it until I had left that space and came into a different space. All
0: right, well, Jennifer, I want you to stay on the line uh, as as uh, we talk with uh, Brandt and Twyla about what you shared. Uh, Twyla, it's it's hard for for me, probably for a lot of people, to hear Jennifer describe herself basically not not being herself.
2: Yeah, so- I don't want her to do that. I, that it, that just. I have so much sympathy for because I think so. you and I have that experience. We both moved here when we were young. Um, I definitely echoed when she said, you know, like you were told you're too loud or you were too aggressive. I used to get told that I can't make I used to make too much eye contact with people when they would talk to me. And I'm like, you don't want me to look at you when you're speaking. Um, So I know that feeling on a deep level where you want to try to make yourself smaller. But I would deeply encourage you to not do that, to be yourself and stand in yourself. Because that's what you deserve and that's what this place needs in order to grow and become the place that we all want it to be. When we make everything amenable and softer and make ourselves less for other people, what we do is take away from the entire experience, not just our experience and our happiness, but the ability for other people to rise to the occasion and grow and become better versions of themselves and for us to actually develop community Um we sometimes do that cuz we think it's the path of least resistance but really what it is is a painful path and i don't want any of us to be on it.
0: Brent have you heard this story many times as you've interviewed
1: people? Yeah, oh for sure. And you know and I will just say, you know, somebody who grew up in Minnesota, I mean, I know what, you know, I'm I'm like that group of Minnesotans who has been here for a long time and have those that small set of friends that for a long time I did not Venture outside of, and so as I got older, uh, eventually started reaching out and and making new friends. But I know that's uh, again one of those things that people who are coming here from um, outside are, are feel just left out of the picture. You know, it's it's like the the, the new person at work who comes in, and you know everybody else is going home to their family and their friends, and they're left there going, well, what are y'all up to this weekend? You know, and nobody reaching out. So I've seen both sides of that. I, I shared with you
0: guys during the news break. I remember you know, when I moved here in 1994, and I uh, had a small apartment in downtown Minneapolis, and I first started working at a TV station. And people were great and, and it, it, was sharing with me, Angela, you should, you know, check this out. Go here, go there. This thing is happening, and uh, we're doing this with our family. We're doing this with our friends. But it was very rare that anyone. Wouldn't invite me to actually go, so yeah, then I had right. this awareness of all the things I could go and where I could meet people, but I I didn't have a way actually in, right? And so I, I would often sit in my apartment alone all weekend on my days off uh, by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, That's does funny. that sound I familiar? Remember. Are you yes, laughing I or remember, crying?
8: <laughs> I I'm laughing tell. and crying, crying. but I, I just remember going out to eat by myself yeah. and, you know, telling people, oh, yeah, I used to go to the Duluth Grill, and I would sit in a booth and just overhear people's conversations, and mm. I remember this couple behind me that literally the entire dinner, they just spoke in grunts, and like, and, grunts. Mm. and, I that, and this one was like, oh, yeah, that's a classic Minnesota couple. Oh, <laughs> funny. <laughs> um so yeah I know that feeling and and you know I think one of the things that like people are like well why are you still here well you know eventually I I had kids and and family and that sort of opened your circle a bit when you have kids but for me also I like that it's quieter here I like kind of the slower pace of being in a a kind of a smaller city and Mm -hmm. the northern climate just I think forces you to take your time like driving into work this morning right, right.
1: you're not mm-hmm. Got to slow down
9: you
8: got to slow down and I, I like that aspect where I think when you're in places you know in the northeast or even in just mm-hmm. bigger cities where you feel that pressure so it's kind of an interesting balance but it's um it hasn't always been an easy road and like I was crying when you were saying about not being your authentic self and what other people are missing out by that meant that really resonated with me because I hadn't thought of it from that perspective.
0: Right, well, Jennifer, thank you so much for calling <laughs> in, and uh, we we should have been friends ten years ago when you came. <laughs> we could have been loud and fun together. <laughs> All right, that's well. Jennifer in Duluth. Uh, I want to take a, another phone call uh, in Virginia, Minnesota. I've been to Virginia, Minnesota. We have Amanda on the line. And Amanda, what do you want to share with us as we talk about this uh, podcast, Untangled Roots, which is sharing the the experiences of black Minnesotans and other people of color, what it's like to live here?
10: Hi. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call today. Um, I am actually originally from the area. I grew up in St. Paul. And I honestly... Um, had no idea what, like, racism really was until I got a bit older because I grew up. I had Hmong friends, Latino friends, um, black friends, uh, you know, just the, the whole gamut, you know, of people. And it wasn't until I got a bit older that I started to see um, racism in my community. And I moved to Minneapolis, and I really started to see, you know, that there was, you know, like, especially with the police and and in school and stuff, when I was in high school, there was just a lot of, a lot of um, racism, you know. And, and
0: Amanda, I'm sorry, are you a person of color?
10: Yes, I'm. am actually Native American.
0: Okay, all right. And and have have things? Uh, did it change over the years for you?
10: Yeah, things have definitely. I definitely have become more aware of. The racism and um, at times segregation. I live in a community now where I'm close to a reservation, and there is a lot of African American people in my community. Um, and so I definitely see that in in our community that I'm in in Virginia that you know black people tend to stay with black people, and white people tend to tend to stay with white people, and natives, you know, they kind of go everywhere because that's just how we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, it, it, get, it can be hard. The segregation. It can be hard, but mm-hmm. I love Minnesota for all of its faults because, you know, there is such a thing as the Minnesota knife. And I just kind of think that Minnesota, Minnesotan people like to be helpful and
0: kind. Mm hmm. All right, that's Amanda calling in from Virginia, Minnesota. Uh, I want to make sure that we do uh, get an opportunity to, he- to hear more uh, from some of the episodes on the podcast. Uh, I want to take more calls, but I want to. I want to play this. Uh, one of my favorite episodes, Brandt uh, and Twyla, uh, is called "Do We Have a Thing?" <laughs> and Brandt, uh, you and your co-host right. uh, Jonathan Rab uh, have a great conversation about whether Minnesota has a black thing. Something. Uh, the example you give: if someone comes into town, or it's within my example, I can think of like when family members come visit me from the state of Virginia, uh, and they're like. Angela, like, where do you hang out? Let's go do the thing, the black thing. I'm like, well, you know, is there an event and a space that's unique uh, um, that that brings people uh, together? Uh, For we'll use black people as an example, but it could be people who are are Latino or or other backgrounds. What do you think? Well, that was. Do you have a
1: thing? Well, it was such a great discussion, though. I mean, and that was it was totally organic. I mean, again, a lot of these shows, these ideas came from us talking. Just between you know, just uh, Twila would sit in one side of a you know, in the recording studio, and Jonathan would, and I would sit next to each other, and we start talking about this thing because Jonathan has lived in a lot of other cities around you mm-hmm. know the the country and the world, and it's like, well, what what's the black thing here? And I'm like, do we need a thing?
0: Well, let's listen to it. Okay, um, we have a, a little excerpt of that episode. Let's listen to it. Do we have? You a go thing?
9: to other cities, and like the black communities there have like one thing there, like everybody's on the same page about, um, in terms of like a festival um, or a tradition hmm. or a food or something like that. Right. Minneapolis doesn't have that. Hmm. I don't think. Can you think of anything? I can't. I'm Where sure. we're like, oh yeah, you got to come to Minneapolis for this thing. Hmm. It definitely isn't Juneteenth because people are like,
1: don't go to Juneteenth well now that doesn't yeah yeah, (laughs) but like (laughs) yeah originally i i do remember there being these big juneteenth um celebrations that were uh you know just fun and yeah you know just lots of but yeah but i don't think it held like the same
9: but was it people performing blackness or actually like being
1: in blackness
9: do you and know what, what I mean? What I remember was, like, Ron- just,
1: like, black folks just it wouldn't turn down a, an opportunity to get together and just, like, go hang out at the park. You know yeah. what I mean? And bring their family and yeah. bring out a grill, you know? And it's, but, like... But do you get what I'm saying? Like, there's, like, the... Uh,
9: what's that parade in Chicago? There's, like, a big, big parade. It was started by Abbott, the guy who uh, started the Chicago Defender. And there's, like, this whole culture around it. And yeah. I, I always, like, kind of wished we had something like that. Now, I'm wondering if that was
1: a thing and it was in rondo right and now it doesn't the politicians exist had to go make sure that they showed up at rondo days the bud billikin
9: parade is huge and so i know detroit also has like something like that too they have a big parade detroit has a lot of stuff but like i don't know yeah i was wondered like we have a sizable black population why don't we have a thing
2: wow uh
0: Do we have a black thing? Do we need one? Brant, Twyla, what do you want to say about that conversation? I'm thinking. We've
2: gone on it. We've gone over and over this. Um, I I think on some level, it would be nice if we had something, something that was, um, you know, that felt like going home, you know, like we're like, we're all together. We all share that space. There's like an annual opportunity where we see each other. I think uh, even when
1: Jonathan brought it up, I didn't.
0: But it could be a restaurant. It could just be a hangout.
2: It
1: right. could be. I mean, well, I was just remember. I was just recalling. You know, like the Riverview Supper Club. Do mm-hmm. you yeah. remember the Riverview? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like you know, nights there were just like it was just all black folks, and it was like just the whole. I mean, I've noticed that you know, in, in certain spaces where there are, um, you you get that feeling of you you know the rules, you know the the the, the you know you're like on a dance floor um you know it's like folks are not running into each other you know like <laughs> you know that kind of thing you know what i'm saying it's just like there are certain spaces but where you need you your know,
0: spirit you just you, yeah you know. right right you, you know
1: just... there's like yeah yeah so i mean so when we were jonathan and i were talking about that i'm like thinking because you know like for my generation i mean there were some of these black spaces that aren't there now for like somebody who's like in his 30s and I, I don't go to clubs anymore or anything like that. I know, but my I'm just my saying,
0: thing is my couch. Right, right. right. Well, Brent and I are in our 50s. I don't know how I mean, I'm are. almost fifties. so okay. like right there. Like, it's like, is it maybe it's in individual homes? Is it more, again, almost like segregated, right? Yeah, because when people,
1: yeah, because the, then you you, you basically coalesce with your with your small group, you know, with yeah. your family or okay. maybe a close friend that, you know, or, but yeah, it's like, so we don't have. Like as Jonathan was during that discussion, we were racking our brains trying to think of a black thing. And we don't really okay. have that.
0: I want to talk, uh, take another phone call before we run out of time. Uh, as we talk about this podcast, Untangled Roots, uh, in Grove Heights, Cody is on the line. And Cody, thank you for calling. What do you want to add to the conversation?
11: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if it's much adding to the conversation, but it's like questions as if, um, you know, I was raised on the west side of St. Paul Um, You know, I'm Minnesota, home, born and raised and everything. Um, I'm not a person of color, um, but my parents, they weren't really the best people to be around um, growing up. And a lot of my friends were not the same race as me. And I had no problem with that. Um, As I got older, um, you know, I started seeing the, the racial tendencies and stuff like that. And what the gentleman said earlier in the show um, when he was saying it takes a community to raise a child, um, I absolutely believe that. Um, But the problem that I have with myself is, like, what do I do? Like, how do I make other children feel comfortable and feel wanted?
0: What's, um, yeah, what's the next step? What do we do now? Thank you, Cody, uh, and Invergrove great. Heights uh, calling in. Uh, and as we look uh, at being solutions oriented, we look at the present and the future. Um, what are the suggestions? What do you think about this, uh, Twyla and Brand about how do we, you know, embrace more of our neighbors and friends and get, and get to, to know each other?
2: I feel like one of the things you have to do is get involved in community. And that some people see that as volunteerism. Some people see that as... Um, you know, like actually making an effort with their neighbors to like go say hello mm-hmm. and be connected to neighbors. Mm-hmm. um, I say the best place to start is like look inward, what is the thing you think you have to offer? what is the thing that you want to how do you want to extend yourself because if you give of yourself in your time, what usually happens is this beautiful space opens up where other people get involved too so
0: and it can be as simple as eye contact and a smile and a hello
1: right right and and you know again, I think of it as you know when you travel somewhere you are you have to be vulnerable and you're going to have to ask people where where to go and all these types of things and i think we have to have that same spirit in our own communities with new people you know it's like you're traveling to you know it's like i'm not used to having you know going to somebody's house for the first time, a new neighbor or somebody. You know, it's like you have to op- open yourself up to new experiences. And that's hard for a lot of people. I but get it's it. how we
0: grow. That's how and you how grow. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Our time is up. But you can listen to the Untangled Roots podcast at... Uh, first episodes, uh, the first season, all those episodes you can find right now. It's called Untangled Roots, second season on the way. Thank you for listening today. We've been talking with Grant Williams, the co-host of Untangled Roots, as well as an editor here at NPR News and Twyla Dang, the producer of Untangled Roots. This conversation was produced by Maya Beckstrom, and it's Maya's birthday today. Happy birthday, Maya. Be safe, everybody. We'll talk again tomorrow morning at nine